Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. You ready for the word today? First Samuel chapter 14. Uh, we're going to walk through one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. It's really, I think, a story that's helped guide me in my own decisions and uh, in my own journey of faith. And last week, Pastor Ben ended his message talking about the importance of stepping out on a word. You remember that? Wasn't that a good message? And we love Pastor Ben. He talked, yeah, he talked about the importance of stepping out on a word. I want to help us today, really from, that's where my starting place, that's the beginning of this message. I want to help us to step out on not just a word, but one word. The word is perhaps. Ooh, we got some churchy people today saying, "Mm." hmm. Look at your neighbor and say, perhaps. Perhaps. To step out on one word. Step out on perhaps. Really on a mission to build your faith this morning and to show you that perhaps is enough. 1 Samuel chapter 14 and verse 1, the Bible says this, One day, Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. But he did not tell his father. And Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah in the pomegranate cave at Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men, including Ahijah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord in Shiloh, wearing an ephod. That's pretty good for some hard names to pronounce. was insecure about pronouncing them that I realized this morning, you don't know how to pronounce them either. So we're going to get through it together. (laughs) Picking up, no one was aware that Jonathan had left. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff, one called Bozes and the other Senna. One cliff stood to the north toward Michmash, the other to the south toward Geba. And Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let us go over to the outpost of those those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will be with us. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Amen. Want to preach to you today from the title, A New Way to Make Decisions a new way to make decisions. I was reading recently, there was a study done by Columbia University that said the average person will make on average 70 decisions a day. 70 decisions every single day. Over the course of a year, that would, that's over 25,000 decisions. Over the course of a lifetime, it's 1.8 million decisions. How many know that's a lot of choices to make? More importantly, that we pay attention to the choices that we make, because I'll be the first one to raise my hand and say, I have made some dumb decisions. I've just made the wrong choice many times, made some dumb decisions, but that's why I agree with the author Stephen Covey, who said, you are not a product of your circumstance, you're a product of your decisions. Decisions play a big part in our life. And so the question is, how do you make decisions? Because whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, we all have a template, a grid for how we make decisions in a way that would seem to be most beneficial to us. But when you come to know Jesus and walk in faith and become a Christian, there's another element to the decisions that you make. 
another dimension called what, no, what, how do I know what God's will is for my life? We say this oftentimes in church. We pray, let your will be done. We say things like, uh, I, I'm praying for this, but as you know, if it's his will, there's this other dimension that we have trying to decide really what it is, is how do I make a decision to know what God's will is for my life? Part of being a Christian is to walk in God's will. But there's some difficulty I think that we all face. I can remember growing up trying to discern the will of God for my life. And I was, I'll tell you, I was so stressed about trying to know what God's will is for my life. I remember growing up and my parents would always tell me, make sure you stay in the will of God. Every choice I had to make, I'd be, oh, is this God's will? You're like, bro, it's a sandwich, just choose. <laughs> I can remember making important decisions the girl that I would date, God, is this your will? I can remember one in particular trying to choose the college that I would go to. And I remember feeling like if I chose one school that I would be in God's will, but if I chose another school that I would somehow ruin my life forever, that I would fall out of God's will. It's funny, but many of, many of us have feel, felt this way where we say, I'm faced with two choices. I don't know what God wants from me. I don't know what's most beneficial. And certainly I don't want to fall out of the will of God. I don't want to step in and seem like option A is God's will. And what if I choose the wrong thing because option B is going to mean that God kind of throws in the towel for me and never chooses to use me again because I made the wrong choice. There's this tension, I think, that we all face. Now, forgive me, this isn't just therapy for being a church kid growing up in church, but I think that there is a decision we all have to be faced with. And I remember God spoke to me in trying to discern what school I would, what, what was the next step I was going to take. God spoke to me and he said, I am with you. It's a great promise. I'm with you. But the way that God spoke to me was not the emphasis wasn't on the with, the emphasis was on you. In other words, to say, not just I'm with you, but I'll go with you on this one. This is what God began to speak to me. Because there's sometimes in our life, if I can just take us back even to, to third grade for a moment when we wrote that note to our crush and said, do you like me? Check yes, no, or maybe. <laughs> so what do you do when God says maybe? What do you do when you don't hear clearly yes or no, but there's just a maybe? When God says, I'll go with you on this. I'll go with you. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 37 and verse 23 that the Lord makes firm the steps of those who delight in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I love that. God makes firm the steps of those who delight in him. In other words, to say your step may not feel firm, but God makes it firm when your heart is in the right posture, when your heart is in the right place. To begin to say, God, I don't know how this is going to work. To begin to say, I, I don't know. See, my step, it seems a little bit shaky, but I have a promise to stand on. In other words, to say perhaps is enough. I got a promise to stand on that begins to tell me, even in my shaky steps of faith and trusting God, that the mighty hand of God will uphold me, will support me, will make firm. Are you hearing me today? This is a great promise that we have. But hear me today. 
God is not limited. Let me broaden our perspective of the God that we serve. He's not limited. How, how selfish of us to think that God would be limited by our choices, to think that God would be in one, one thing. And listen, I'm not talking about following Jesus and not following Jesus. I'm talking about the times where we're trying our best to follow in God's will. But there's a tension when God says, I'll go with you on this. The Bible, that promise, we know it as the steps of the righteous are, are ordered. But the key to that is when our heart delights in him. In other words, to say that God is not just after your steps. He's after your heart. God wants your heart. And if your heart is in the right place, then every step of faith that you take, he will strengthen you. He will make firm even shaky steps of faith. See, there's moments in our life where God says yes, and his yes is clear. Doors open, opportunity comes. We hear God's voice. We know this is God. There's other times in our life where God's no is clear, where we know doors have closed. There's no more opportunity. That, that there, there's a clear voice from the Lord that says, no, this is not the will that I have for you. But there is oftentimes some middle ground when God says maybe. What do you do when God says maybe? Because I think this is the background to the story that we just read. There's two decisions happening in this story, two decisions taking place, and they're contrasted against each other. When I was getting engaged to my wife, I was going ring shopping. And as I was going ring shopping, they would always do this because I would go and I would ask to look at the particular diamonds and they wouldn't just hand it to me on their hand. They would always place it against a piece of black velvet. It was the background that allowed me to see the contrast so that I could see the clarity of the diamond. The same is true in this story. We're reading about two decisions that are contrasted, juxtaposed against each other to see there's two ways of making decisions. On one hand, there is Saul who's sitting underneath the pomegranate tree with 601 others. There's a contrast here because Saul and his 600 men, the Israelites are at war and the people that should be fighting, the people that should be leading, the people that should be taking the lead, helping to lead the army of Israel against the Philistines are here sitting underneath a pomegranate tree. It's not really the picture of the king's army that you would think. Outskirt, on the outskirts of the city, 601 men eating pomegranates. Can you get a picture of this today? No longer fighting, no longer leading, but withdrawn, complacent, and fearful. The Bible says in verse 2 that Ahijah, the priest, was wearing an ephod. Now, this is a verse that we would skip over because we don't know, number one, how to pronounce Ahijah, and we don't also know what the heck is an ephod. So we just skip over it and think, uh, whatever. This is so important. Now, don't track with me here because it's important for us to understand the story because Ahijah was wearing the ephod. The ephod was a part of the priestly garments that priests would wear when they entered the holy place. It goes back to Exodus chapter 28 when Aaron would enter the holy place and it said that there was a, a breastplate that was covered in stones that he would wear in the presence of the Lord as a tool to help discern the will of God. 
The ephod was God's way of helping his people to know what decision to make. Understanding that this is a tool to help them to make decisions. And if the priest was wearing an ephod, it means that they were seeking an answer about what God would have them to do. Can you just imagine 600 people trying to make a decision? It's hard enough with three people trying to choose a lunch spot, let alone 600 dudes trying to discern what does God want me to do? Do you hear anything from him? No, no. Do you see anything? No. You feel anything? Nah, I don't know. 600 people just sitting in complacency, sitting in, ah, I'm not really sure what God would have for us to do. You have any idea about, ah, nah. Okay, well, I guess we'll just sit here and try again tomorrow. Can I tell you? Let me preach to you about your Bible for a moment, because what this story tells me is that you can have all the tools you need to hear from God, but if you don't use the tools, how do you expect to know the will of God? How do you expect God to give you his wisdom? How do you expect God to give you clarity if you don't use the tools that he has given you? Can I just tell the church today, God has revealed his will to you. It's called the B-I-B-L-E, and it's God's primary means of communication with his people. The doctrine of revelation says God has given us a message in the form of this book. This is not a book of spells and incantations. This is not just a book of tradition. This is God's way to reveal his will for your life. This is what the Bible is. And you can have all the tools. Because I heard some of you, you said, man, that ephod thing kind of sounds nice. I would like some clarity in my life. You know, I just really want to know what God wants me to do. I want to know what God has for me. I want to know God's will for my life. Can I just tell you, before you step out on a word, you're going to need to read the word. It's just this simple. I'm just trying to help you today. Understanding what is God's will for my life. How do you expect God to speak to you if you don't even listen, if you don't even hear his voice? God has revealed his word to speak to me, to direct me, to guide me, to shape my life. This is what his word does. And here we have 601 people underneath the pomegranate tree, trying to make a decision but stuck in a maybe, waiting to hear from God, crippled by indecision. And eventually, indecision gives way to complacency. Well, come to think of it, I like pomegranates, it's not so bad. Indecision gives way to complacency. This isn't so bad. Complacency gives way to doubt. Doubt says, maybe this is just the place I'm supposed to be. Maybe this is just what I'm supposed to carry. Doubt says, maybe God's silent. Maybe God's done with me. Doubt says, maybe I've missed his will for my life. Maybe it's just pomegranates from here on out. Doubt gives way to fear. Fear begins to say, creeps in. The fear of the unknown, the fear of being too bold, the fear of taking too many risks, the fear of just the way that it's always been and going against the norm. But hear me today, fear and anxiety are enemies of the Christian life. 
Fear and anxiety get us to stay stuck when God may be saying go. This is fear and anxiety. It's the enemy of the Christian life. And this is where God began to speak to me because all of this is just a contrast for a new kind of way to make decisions. 601 men eating pomegranates, stuck in a maybe, wondering what does God have? That indecision leads to complacency. Complacency leads to doubt. Doubt leads to fear. And before we know it, we have people stuck in a maybe. I'm trying to help us today with a new way of making decisions. I'm trying to help propel the church from fear and indecision and insecurity and uncertainty into a position of faith. And this is the contrast. Because we have Jonathan who says, I can't take it anymore. Look at verse 6. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. This is trash talk. He's getting a little bit undignified. He's getting a little bit belligerent. He's saying, this is not, I can't take this anymore, but perhaps God will be with me. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was the armor bearer, I'm going to need more than perhaps. Jonathan says, perhaps, maybe. Not, he doesn't say probably. He doesn't say, well, hopefully. He doesn't say, God can do it. He's done it before and God can do it again. Jonathan says it's 50-50. Perhaps God will be with us. And I'm reading this and I'm going, are you serious? Perhaps? What a weird word even to use. Perhaps? You're trying to make a decision. You're saying, let's go fight this whole army with just two guys. And all you have is perhaps. Perhaps you're saying that me and you are going to go fight an entire army by ourselves through a valley that's got rocks and creeks on the other side. And all you have is a perhaps. I want to tell you today that this is actually a picture of faith, because there are some times in your life when following Jesus is not just this great display of faith. It gives me a little bit of hope today to know that I don't just need for my own insecurity, for my own uncertainty. Let me tell you, perhaps is enough. Perhaps is enough. It gives me hope today to know that sometimes the journey of faith, it doesn't just look like this great display of courage. It doesn't look like this great display of trust. Sometimes faith just looks like perhaps, maybe, well, hopefully. This is what God began to teach me because there's this contrast. We have Jonathan who says, perhaps, and we have 600 people. And what stands out to me is not even what Jonathan did, but what the other people should have been doing. This is the army of the Lord waiting on a decision, eating pomegranates all day. Jonathan says, well, maybe God will help. But this one thing I know that nothing can stop the Lord. Maybe. In other words, I don't know how this is going to work, but I know that God can work. It's a faith decision. It's a faith that rises up in me. And I want to tell you today, faith doesn't allow you to sit still. Faith is actually learning how to move on a maybe. 
I don't know if this is going to work out, but maybe God can work it out. I don't know how this is going to end up, but I know that nothing can stop my God. And I know that if God can do it, then maybe, perhaps, just maybe, this is the part of my sermon where I just want to pause and tell you, because many times people will hear this and they'll use messages like this as just a license to go do the dumbest thing that they can think of and then blame the devil when it doesn't work. Faith is not a license to be dumb. Please hear me today. We have a very clear grid on wisdom. I'm talking about the maybe. So don't leave this place and go convert your entire network, net worth into stock in GameStop. Don't leave this place today and go drive down the 405 with your eyes closed saying, Jesus, take the wheel. This is not what I'm talking about today. I'm trying to help you with another way to make decisions. I'm trying to help you to give you just this because there are moments in our lives. There are moments in our lives where you may not have certainty. There are moments in our lives where you may not have clarity, but I want to tell you perhaps is enough. Perhaps is enough. Perhaps is to have the faith and the confidence to just say, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I know that nothing can stop God. And by the way, perhaps is not about God's inability. It's just about God's might. And there's a part of God that he's looking for his people. I just say it like this. God is motion activated like an um, automatic door. There are some doors in your life that don't open until you take a step. There are some things in your life that just begin to open up once you say, ah, Perhaps, maybe, perhaps it's time to believe again. Perhaps God still does want to use me. Perhaps God isn't done writing my story. Perhaps it's been long enough and it's time to call that family member. Perhaps I've been holding up my pride for too long and it's time to take the seat of humility and start asking questions. Perhaps it's time for me to start that business. Perhaps it's time for me to move on that God dream. Perhaps it's time for me to join that connect group. After all, perhaps it may be time that I need some new people in my inner circle. Maybe it's time for me to stop being afraid of letting people see the real me. Maybe it's time that I actually take that step of faith and go for it. Maybe it's time that I start to experience the freedom that comes in authentic community. Young people, perhaps I should join Free Chapel College. What better place? Perhaps, I, you know, I, I know it's just another church thing, but maybe it'd be good to surround myself with the kind of people that can pull out my God dream. Perhaps it's time to get around the right kind of people that can help me become all that God has called me to be. I don't know, but maybe it's a good idea. Maybe, maybe God's in this. Perhaps God will be with me. Let me just tell you that God always honors the step of faith that you take, because when you take a step of faith, it represents a level of trust within your heart. Say, God, I don't know how this is going to work out, but maybe you're going to be with me. And that's a heart that God always honors. That's a step that God can always make firm. I'm telling you today, perhaps is enough. You can move on a maybe, but many times we never even get to perhaps because we just settle for what's practical. 
Many times we, we, we miss faith because we're just looking for certainty. But these are not synonyms. How do I know? Because you can have certainty and still not have faith. Have you ever heard God say, hey, I need you to go talk to that person, and you still don't have the faith to step out on it? Or to be at the grocery store, and God says, I want you to pay for their groceries, and you still don't have the faith to step out. You say, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> have you ever thought, if God speaks that to you, well, you don't want to pay for their groceries, so it's not you saying that. And the devil wants you to live stingy, so it's not him saying that. Perhaps. See, faith is not a synonym to certainty. You can have uncertainty and still, see, faith is confidence. The Bible says that faith is the evidence of things unseen. Have you ever considered that if you can see it, it may not be faith? Faith is not certainty. Faith is confidence. And I'm here to tell some people today, it's amazing the kind of confidence that you get when you let go of your need for certainty. It's amazing the confidence that you have in Jesus when you let go of your need for control, when you let go of your need for certainty, when you let go of this desire for everything in my life needs to be crystal clear for the next 20 years. It's not the way that God works. He's on a journey of faith with your life. And there's a level of faith that I'm just telling you perhaps is enough. Jonathan didn't have certainty, but he had a perhaps. And this is what I think James meant when he writes in James chapter 2, verse 17, that faith without works is dead. Faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. This is what I think it means. It's learning how to roll with 50-50 odds. It's learning how to move on a maybe. It's learning how to let go of our need for certainty and to say, God, perhaps you're going to be with me. Maybe this is enough. God, this may not work, but even if it doesn't, I know that you will. To say like Jonathan, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I can't sit here any longer. There's 600 dudes eating pomegranates all day, and I'm tired of it. Just stuck. I want to help you with a new way to make decisions. I was reminded as the team comes, reminded of my own story. I am here today because of somebody else's, perhaps. We moved church online last year and had a season where much of our church was frustrated about meeting online. It's just not the same as being in person. I believe that those that are even streaming online can feel what's happening underneath the tent today. But I remember reflecting on my own, my own story because it was in 1999 that my mom, far from God, on the brink of divorce, accidentally got logged into the wrong AOL chat room. Remember those? <laughs> looking for daycare, looking for a place to take me after school, and someone random, I don't know who they are, said to my mom, maybe you should try that church because I hear that they have a great program for young people. And that day, my mom said, well, maybe that's a good idea. And in one service, dragged me to church, encounters God, gets radically saved and committed to kept dragging me along to church. And six months later, my dad and I would get saved together at a junior high camp. I'm here to tell you today, the only reason that I'm here is because of somebody else's maybe. 
somebody else's perhaps. And I wish there would be some people today that could join me, stand to your feet and begin to give God praise. Perhaps is enough. Maybe is enough. I wish I could preach to every discouraged heart today, to preach to every heart today, because the miracle is in the maybe. This is my life. And I, that person, they won't know until we get to heaven the impact that they've had on my family and on my life and on my kids and on my children's children, all because they said maybe. And I'm going, what if there was no maybe? But the miracle is in the maybe. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.